another date, uh, December of 1903, 120 years ago, by fact, after many attempts, the Wright brothers finally got their flying machine off the ground. And that, as you know, was in our state on the coast of North Carolina. They were so thrilled that they went and they sent their sister Catherine a telegram back to Ohio. And the telegram read this way, We have actually flown 120 feet. We will be home for Christmas. She was so excited that Catherine ran down to the local newspaper and ran into the editor and showed him the telegram that she had just gotten from Orville and Wilbur, her brothers. And he glanced at it and he said, how nice. The boys will be home for Christmas. He missed that man had flown for the first time. Many people today make the mistake of hearing the word of Christmas, which actually has Christ in its name, Christmas, and they just fly over the meaning. They don't think about Jesus necessarily. They don't think about the miraculous birth of Christ. Often they may have their minds run to reindeer and Santa Claus, and maybe I'm thinking of a white Christmas, hoping that they will get up on Christmas morning and there will be snow on the ground. For many today, it's about family gatherings. It's about planning family meals. It's about maybe going to festivals or Christmas parties from work or getting the decorations up and just getting them right. Or as most of us think about, what am I going to get? And you fill in the blank this year because they have everything. And so it goes to the gift giving. To many, Christmas brings nostalgia, memories of childhood, or gatherings at your own time in your own way during the Christmas season. But for many, actually, Christ is left out of Christmas. It becomes Xmas or just happy holidays and how sad that is. I find myself when a clerk tells me happy holidays, I just have to say Merry Christmas to you also. Um, just, okay, you can say, well, that's in your face. But yeah, it is. Um, it's nothing wrong with celebrating Christmas. There is nothing wrong with decorating and having your parties and getting together as a, as a family. There is nothing wrong with that. So don't hear me saying that. The pastor said this morning, I just need to concentrate on Jesus and nothing else and get rid of all the other stuff along Christmas and the holidays. And that is not what I'm saying. But unfortunately, what I uh, just hate for people to do is what the editor of the Ohio newspaper did, and that is miss the meaning 
overlook what it means to celebrate this time of year. We celebrate the birth of the Messiah, the Christ child, the only one that was sent that we might have life, the only one that can take away the sin of the world, the only one that can give you new life. That's what we are celebrating, the birth of Jesus. And the birth of Jesus came at the perfect time, in the perfect way, to the perfect place. There was nothing else that God determined or God willed or God's purpose other than his son would come from heaven, be born of a virgin, and the place that it would happen is Bethlehem. God's purpose, God's will. That Mary and Joseph would travel from Nazareth of Galilee. And they would do it at this time to come to this place for his son to be born. You've heard these verses hundreds of times, many of you. You will hear them today and you will hear them again on Christmas Eve. But if you have your scriptures and you want to follow along, we're going to look at the first seven verses of Luke 2 this morning as our text, Let's Go to Bethlehem. Now in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census would be taken for all the inhabitants of the earth. This was the first census taken while Quinius was governor of Syria. And everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the family of David in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. While they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in clothes, cloths, and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight. For you are our strength and our redeemer. I pray, Father, that you would illuminate our hearts and minds this morning for what you would hold for us through this, your holy word. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Now, obviously, there was no holiday inn in Bethlehem. Uh, There was... um, no Hilton or Hampton Inn. There were just the basics, and and the inn then was really a room with a bed. And and maybe you got a little bit of food if you stayed, but not always. There were no running water. There were no kitchenettes. There were no uh, electricity, no bathrooms. There were no ice machines. There were no vending machines. There was no swimming pool or indoor uh, exercise rooms, no microwaves, no fridges. You get the picture. There was nothing of the necessities or the luxuries that we think today when we go and pay for 
a hotel room to stay in. No nice lobby, no cookies on the counter, no fireplace beaming with fire. There was no continental breakfast to be had. There was really only two reasons anyone at this time in history would go to an end and stay. And it was because in their travel, so they were traveling to get out of the weather, out of the cold, out of the heat, or out of the rain. That was number one. But the second reason was for protection. It was not safe to be anywhere traveling at night in any of the areas at this time. And so it was for protection from thieves and robbers, and especially at this time when the census had been declared and everyone was traveling to their town, the the robbers and the thieves saw it as an opportunity to hide in the night, and those that would travel at night often would be robbed, sometimes beaten and left for dead. And so in traveling, they would stay to get out of the cold, the rain, the elements, or they would stay for protection. And so Mary and Joseph were traveling from Nazareth in Galilee, and they were living into this call. And as I said last week, Mary could have stayed in Nazareth. She could have stayed at home. But that was not God's plan or God's will. She was to travel with her husband, Joseph. And and they would travel this some 70, 80 miles according to where they lived in Nazareth. And they would have made this track and and they would have gone into uh, to Bethlehem. And it was smaller than Jerusalem. And as Micah reminds us, it's one of the smaller towns in Judea and it was overcrowded at this time. It was full. People were, were there. They had come for the census. And it was time for her to give birth. Now, let me remind you that Mary and Joseph are just like you and I. They would have had the same needs as you and I. They would have had the same uh, feelings, the same physical limitations. If any of you women who have been pregnant know what it means to be at the time of birth when you're ready to give birth to your child of what that condition and how you feel and what you need. And Mary would have been experiencing The same thing. What they desired was a bed to sleep in, a place to lay their head, a place out of the elements, and a place to be safe. And to their disappointment, there was no room for them in the inn. And certainly, they would have been disappointed, just like you and I. You know, up until this point, just think of what they had experienced. A unexpected a really unexpected, unplanned pregnancy. Mary had no clue until the angel came and said, you're going to be with child. How can that be? I'm a virgin. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. This supernatural conception of Jesus by the Holy Spirit was unplanned. The rumors and the gossip that they had 
had to deal with over these, these months prior to going to Bethlehem. The angel Gabriel appearing not only to Mary, but appearing to Joseph and convincing him, look, don't divorce her. Don't put her aside like you're thinking. You take her as your wife. For the child that she has is from God. And so they make the journey. Cold, probably. Definitely experiencing the elements of the day. Dodging thieves, maybe. Very uncomfortable, I would guess. Even Mary riding on a donkey or a colt or whatever that she might have written on that, that um, Joseph would have given her. But there had to be some high stress in them as they arrive in Bethlehem and there's no room, they're told, in the inn. And, and notice in, in Luke's account that it says inn. It, it doesn't say inns. In, in fact, in Bethlehem, it was probably so small that there was only one inn that they would have been able to go to to look for shelter or to look for a room. And Luke tells us the inn is full. There's nothing there. And so they know Jesus, this, this special child, this child that has been told to them by the angel, this miracle child confirmed by God through Gabriel to both of them. This royal line, this king of kings, this son of David, the one who would be the savior of the world. And they were told by the angel that they were blessed. Blessed? I mean, could you see Joseph when the end guy comes to the door? You got a room and he says, there's no room. Everything's full. Dude, you, you don't see? My, she's pregnant. She's fixing to download here. There's, there's a child coming. And you don't have a room? You're not going to kick somebody out for me and my wife? Look, dude, we're blessed. This is a special thing. We don't know what Joseph said other than the innkeeper did offer them. Well, it wasn't a room. Uh, in fact, it wasn't probably our mindset of when we go uh, to all the nativities or we have nativities that we set up in our, in our homes. Uh, it, it was probably not a barn. It was probably not a shelter with just, it was probably a honed out place in the side of a hill where, where the animals were kept, where there was a manger, which means feeding trough for the animals. It was there where it would stink. There was dung on the ground this is what he offered in Bethlehem for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. A smelly stable. It's crazy. They were blessed, and yet they were sent to a stable, a cave, the side of a hill where animals would be kept. 
Is this the proper place for the king, the Messiah of the world, the very son of God to be born? The king from the house of David? Yeah. You see, God's plans and God's arrangement was perfect. He had set everything in motion. This was what God had planned. And it wasn't just a plan of happenstance. It was this town, these conditions, and this place. In God's eyes, Bethlehem and an animal stable, a feeding trough, was the perfect place for the Son of Man, the Son of God, to be born. It was no mistake. It was not bad luck on Joseph's and Mary's part. It was God's plan. Now, some of you may be thinking, well, why did Jesus have to be born in a place like Bethlehem or in a a, a place where animals were kept or had to be wrapped in bands of cloth and and lied and and laid in a a manger in a feeding trough? Why, Why is that? Why couldn't he be born in Jerusalem? Why couldn't he have been taken to the Holy of Holies where all of the gold was and and all of these beautiful things were? Why couldn't the Son of God be born in the proper place for a king, right? The Holy of Holies. Could God not have made that happen? Could, Could God not have said, here's where my son's going to be born because he's going to give his life to everyone who would believe in him. Isn't that the fitting place? Jerusalem, the temple, the Holy of Holies? The ancient historian writer Jerome said this when it came to Jesus being born in a stable, and I quote, it would have been fitting for Christ to come into the Holy of Holies in the temple But he came into this world in a stinking stable for us, end quote. Christ found no room in the holies of holies that shone with gold and precious stones and pure silk and and silver. He is not born among the riches, but he's born in the midst of dung. How do we know that? Well, the scripture tells us, and even in the King James Version, the psalmist in 113 verse 7 says this, from the dung hill he lifts up the poor, the sinner, You see, it was God's plan for where the Messiah would be born. It was God's plan. Maybe 
just maybe these miserable conditions of where the Messiah was born here in Bethlehem in a stable was to show us our condition, that we have sunk so far away from God. In fact, that our sins are as filthy and smelly to God as that stable. But Jesus, he humbled himself. He loved us enough that he would come. Jesus would humble himself for the sake of love and for the redemption of all mankind by being born in the very place that God willed it. If we stand back and we look at the story of the birth of Jesus and we consider the aspects of the story of how it unfolds, this story of Christ and his birth, some amazing things began to emerge. We learn something about God. We learn something about these adverse conditions that seem to make no sense to us, that seem to be out of place, but yet they were in God's way and God's purpose and God's plan. The fact is that all of this is written out according to God in his word, in his scripture, sometimes makes us scratch our heads to think, how could this be? What good could come out of this? But God knows how it works. God knows in advance everything, even as he orchestrates everything in our world today. He knows it all. He knows his purpose behind all things. And in this very instant, he knows that everything is possible, that nothing is impossible through his son, our Savior. Herod lost every attempt in his plan to stop God's plan. The devil could not stop God's plan. The circumstances that were around Jesus, the circumstances of everything that Jesus faced could not stop God's plan. It would come to fruition. And why? Because God is in control. God is in complete control. So at first glance, we look maybe like the editor at a telegram, and we don't see the significance that every, of everything that is in the story. We look at the larger picture, but we don't see some of the smaller details of Mary and Joseph, of being turned away from an inn, giving birth in a stable, the, the testing of, of Mary and Joseph and their faith and their understanding. You see, God never announced to them that they were going to Bethlehem and there was not going to be any room in the end and they were going to have to birth this child in a stable. That was not announced to them. 
what was announced to them is that they would go to Bethlehem because of the census by the Roman government. They had no clue. But their faith being tested was not a negative. It was actually a positive. Because in Bethlehem, in the midst of maybe some animals around them that were feeding, or the smell and stench of a stable, Luke tells us that the time came. The days were complete that Mary would give birth to her first child, the Christ child. Sometimes things of our life and things of this world make no sense to us. We scratch our head, why did I have to go through that? Or why did I have to face that? Or why in the world did someone else get this or do this or have this and I don't? And we begin to say, God, what in the world and our faith sometimes is tested and we need to fall back and maybe even take a look at Bethlehem and at Mary and Joseph and Jesus and his birth and say, God's in control. God's got this. He's got me. God may be humbling me a little bit in my circumstances. God may be taking a, a chance to make me look at what I have or have not surrendered. God may be using the circumstances around me to point me to him. He chose the best way to get his message of love across. And it was Jesus coming and being born in a stable and laid in a manger. Jesus. And today, the 10th of December, 2023, we still marvel at this birth in Bethlehem. So maybe... One of the reasons that God's plan and God's purpose and God's arrangement of this birth is for us to see this humble birth in a place that reminds us of our condition, sinful, in need of a Savior. But also, I believe that the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem was to show us that he came as a servant. He came as a servant. God's plan and will for his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection, God arranged all of this. He arranged this decree from Caesar Augustus. He planned this day, this time for them to arrive in Bethlehem. God planned Micah, the prophet, 
I read this verse last week, Micah 5, 2. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephaphra, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be a ruler of Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from the ancient of days. And I mentioned last week this phrase, from old, means, and it describes other places in Scripture as the eternity of God. And this from ancient of days literally means in the Hebrew, from the days of eternity. And and so Micah is prophesying that there is one that is going to come, this ancient of days, this Messiah that would be born in Bethlehem, literally from the days of eternity. And we go back to the first chapter of Genesis and know that we can see the triune God present in creation, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Micah, almost a forgotten prophet, was moved by the Holy Spirit of God to to pen these words, to write these words about a Messiah being born in Bethlehem. This servant who came to serve mankind. It didn't just happen. It wasn't by chance. It was by the hand of God moving throughout history for his purpose. Maybe another reason that this humble beginning in Bethlehem happened was to show the alignment of Jesus' teachings about what it means to be a disciple or to go through discipleship in his name. Many years later, Jesus Jesus said this as Mark gives us this in Mark 8.34. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Servanthood, discipleship. During his ministry, Jesus told his disciples, Matthew 8.20, Foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. When Christ calls us, he calls us to die to self, to take up our cross and follow him, to be humble before him, not in any other means, but jettisoning self for him. God chose to have Jesus born in a stable of Bethlehem to communicate his love, his grace, and his mercy from his son who became a servant. You remember that night before his arrest, he humbled himself before his disciples on that last Passover to bend down and to wash their feet. I came to serve, not to be served. 
He gave up all of his prestige, his position, his power, all the perks of heaven to come because of his love for us. Last night, uh, Terry and Emma and I got a chance to, to walk through a, a live nativity. And when I say walk through, I mean walk through a um, mile and a half, two miles of live nativity. And at the end, as we were stand, or sitting at the cross, the foot of the cross, uh, the last venue, um, the pastor said, you all know the verse, recite it with me, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God gave so that through Jesus we would have life. Please never take that lightly. Please never view his birth as a baby child in a manger lightly. It was all for God's purpose and God's will. But still the question begs, why Bethlehem and not Jerusalem? Again, God's rich history. In God's rich history, Bethlehem was God's choice. It was a place where Rachel was buried. I mentioned last week that she died birthing Benjamin, and we, we read that cries of, of Rama, of, of the women, and it's believed in the traditional sense that her tears were poured out there as she died. Rachel was buried there. Bethlehem, associated with birth of, ben of Benjamin and the death of Rachel. And here, some 1,700 years later, God wills and purposes Bethlehem for the birth of his son. What about Ruth? Ruth was redeemed in Bethlehem by Boaz, her kinsman redeemer, rescued from a life of misery and loss, Bethlehem became known as the place associated with redemption of her story some 1,100 years before the birth of Christ. What about David? This is a place of David's birth, a place of David being anointed by King Saul, a place where it's known that there was refreshing water and David is thirsty and he sends his men to go and, and retrieve water for him, life-giving water for refreshment, some 1,000 years before the birth of Christ. And then, some 700 years before his birth, Micah proclaims that here's where the Messiah will be born. God orchestrated this whole thing. It was God's plan. 1,700 years in the making of Bethlehem being the place of the birth of Jesus. 
one more and I'll finish. It's interesting that Bethlehem means the house of bread. Bethlehem means the house of bread. He would feed the world living bread. He would deliver them from their sins. John 6, 35, And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life, and he who comes to me shall never hunger. He who believes in me shall never thirst. Bethlehem, house of bread. Jesus, the bread of life. John 6, 6, chapter 6, verse 50, a little further from verse 35. And Jesus said, this is the bread that comes down from heaven. That one may eat of it and not die. So Bethlehem is the place of Jesus' birth. It is the town of the king of King David, 30 times, 39 times grandfather of Jesus. It is the place where Mary and Joseph are going because the emperor has called for a census. It is the place that God has ordained for his son to be born. And it is not insignificant. Don't miss the story of the birth of Jesus. Don't miss it, church. God's will and God's purpose, we don't need to romanticize it. We don't need to have all of the nativities to show us the understanding of God's purpose. Because the no vacancy sign at Bethlehem was there for our benefit. I want to say that again. The no vacancy sign at Bethlehem was there for our benefit. God could have made room in the end. He could have created a hospital. He could have had a palace. He could have if he had desired. But the census, everything unfolded with the census and the journey and the no room and the no crib for a bed and the feeding trough and the swaddling clothes, all of that was God's plan and did not happen by chance. It was his will. And it was not for Jesus' sake. It was for ours. Do you get that? The birth of Bethlehem in a stable, in a trough, in the way that Jesus was born was for our sake, that we might know him, that we might see him just as he is. The Savior of the world. Father, thank you. I just, I always marvel at how the story unfolds and how you give us your story of who you are and who your son Jesus is. And Father, I thank you that as we come to faith in you, that 
that third that third member of the Trinity, that, that third, third person of the Trinity lives in me, your Holy Spirit. So, Father, we come today and we give thanks for your plan and your purpose and your will in our life. No matter the circumstances, no matter what we face, no matter the t- testing of faith, Father, we thank you. Because you're in control and everything that you do is perfect. May we live into and see Jesus just as he is, Savior and Lord, in whose name we pray. Amen.